0: bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance see dkng.com slash bball for eligibility deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources
1: yeah don't it sound so epic horns are screaming i ain't the one you want to mess with use a joke i ain't the one you want to with. the battle's coming you only got a few seconds to run
2: Hey everybody, this is Matt from Cincy Jungle, and this is Bangles Chalk Talk. Well, normally, this time of the week, you are listening to me, and I'm going out, and I'm talking to somebody who's an expert on the upcoming opponent, but I'm going to be honest with you, I don't really care about the upcoming opponent at this point. This team is sitting at 0-2-1, and 2 and, 1, and their problems are internal. They just need to to be able to put some things together. So, I'm I'm not really going out and worrying too much about the Jacksonville Jaguars because this team needs to, to worry about the internal problems more than the uh, the upcoming opponent. So let's talk about a few things, and today we're going to focus on, on three key areas, two of them are obvious, the other one might not be quite as obvious, uh, but we'll, uh, we'll start with the offensive line. Now, there's been fire Jim Turner you know, trending all over Twitter, a lot, of, a lot of talk about that from fans. Look, Jim Turner's not going anywhere during the season. And, and one thing I'm, I'm going to mention about this is, does the team actually get better? Like what is the path for the team getting better if they moved on from Jim Turner right now? Because you're not finding somebody from outside to come in and take this job. And even if you could, I mean, it's, it's it's September, you're, you're coming in, uh, excuse me, it's October. You're, you're coming in, you're, you're learning people's names. You're learning the system. You're getting to know Callahan and, and Taylor like, and throwing that at a coach well, also, hey, you got to get ready to go for Sunday. I mean, that's that's not going to get it done. You know, look, Jackson came in, uh, Hugh Jackson came in to, to help with the defense uh, when uh, the Bengals moved on from Terrell Austin. That's a completely different situation, right? He was just a another set of hands. You know, another 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 brain, another person to do some work but he wasn't like the key responsible guy and and that's the same thing with when they moved on from austin and marvin lewis took over it's different because you had a guy right there who made sense to take over and you had a whole defensive staff that could pick up for some of those responsibilities so it's not all on marvin lewis you move on from jim turner right you've got assistant offensive line coach ben martin look they're already coaching that unit together so Is Ben Martin going to do better by himself than he is with Jim Turner? Probably not. You know, I mean, it's different. That's no discredit to him. If he gets a job as the offensive line coach with a club where he has his own assistant and he has his own situation, uh, he may do very well. But asking him to just take over for Jim Turner, now he's doing his job and Turner's job, that's, that's not going to help the Bengals right now. And, you know, if you're saying, well, maybe Zach Taylor can help out. Maybe Callahan can help out. Well, neither one of them. I mean, they're both quarterbacks, guys. So I don't know what that's going to necessarily do. And then you're taking away from the things that they do, you know, from a game planning standpoint, which they're not in a great position right now when you look at the red zone offense, when you look at the third down offense. um, You know, they need to be focusing their efforts on, on that area. Uh, obviously, the offensive line play is a part of, of the problems they have in those uh, in those areas. But I guess what I'm trying to say is, moving on from the offensive line coach in October isn't making you a better football team in October. So that's you know he's not going anywhere. Is basically what I'm trying to say. And it's different because it's a limited pool uh, to work from. Whereas when you 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 fire your head coach. Mid-season and you promote one of the coordinators, well, there's a bunch of other guys underneath that coordinator that can help out uh, on that side of the ball and, and kind of take some of the pressure off there. You do the same thing. You, you get rid of a coordinator in a season, and you have the linebacker's coach or the you know, quarterback's coach take over or whatever it is. Well, there's a bunch of other guys. They can split the duties. Whereas when you get down to the position coach level, I mean, you're putting a lot on that person, especially with a line. Like, look, it's different if it's a tight ends coach or even a maybe, yeah, receiver's coach is pretty difficult, too. But, look, the O-line's coaching five guys on every single play. He's coaching almost 50% of, of the offense. Uh, so, putting all that on one guy, that's a lot. So, that didn't get you any better. Uh, now, what they did do is they went out and they changed their game day roles. And I tweeted about this. Uh, that was mentioned on uh, the Locked on Bengals podcast. Uh, Jake Lisko and uh, James Rapine were talking about that. And, and I tweeted about it. And look, it's a much bigger deal than I think people realize. And I, myself, in my coaching career, I spent the vast majority of my time in the press box. Uh, I spent one year on the sideline when I was a very young coach. Uh, my job there was actually communicating with the D line, which I guess is kind of a similar. Scenario where there was the defensive line coach, and then I was the guy that talked to the defensive line. He was up. He was up in the box. He would talk to me. I would talk to them. So that's the same sort of situation you look at when you have two line coaches. One's up, one's down. Um, Why did they move Turner up? All right. What's the point of having a coach who's up? That guy is really seeing what's going on on the field. Like you have a much better vision of things. The offensive line coach on the sideline, you know, it's, it's just a limited perspective that you have from there. So that's twofold. Number one, he can see all the blocks. Obviously you can't watch five guys at a time, but if you want to keep an eye on the right guard position and just the way they're driving, the right guard is hard for you to see from your own sideline, that guy can always focus on any individual player on the field. So you can focus on things like that. Perhaps that's the reason we saw a change at right guard at halftime this week, and we didn't see it in week two when when people might have been expecting it. So that's what you can do from the press box that you can't do from the sideline. You can't see as well from the sideline. Um, I actually uh, I was in, a, it was in a situation where our, our head coach coached the punt team, and on the other side of the field, from the from the uh, sideline, he couldn't see anything, so he would ask me what was going on, on the other side of the field. And there were times when I would I would essentially call the fakes uh, because we're we looking at a situation. And I was like, "Oh, hey, we have this," and he, he would just call it. Uh, why? Because he can't he can't see what's going on, on the other side of the field, and I could from the press box. So from the press box, you can see what's going on on the field that's the communication with players you know that's the direct tie-in you know the emotion the looking in their eyes seeing if they're breaking down see what the situation is the other thing is you can see the defense from the from the press box so with the offensive line like you're talking to them you're saying hey what look did we get here hey did he have a three technique what did that guy do all these sort of things that they're going to have a better idea of you know right on the field you know what's in front of you you know what you're seeing and communicating uh, the guy in the press box can see all those things as well and you know is, is likely charting those things, writing down those, uh, those things as the play moves along. So it could be uh, in terms of adjustment. Maybe he wasn't getting great information from the guys on the field, so he wants to be up there to be able to make adjustments to the run game overall. Remember, Jim Turner is not only in charge of the offensive line. He's in charge of, of designing the run game. He was a big part of, I mean, he really changed it for the second half of the season last year um i also tweeted out about those you know those changes and kind of percentage breakdown by a scheme recently so check that out but look this is the you know the ability that that it gives him uh moving up to the box and that's what that that change is with martin on the field with turner up top and it is a big change uh when I did, I spent one game on the field after years in the box, and like literally, I was just like, "This is stupid. Why am I here?" <laughs> like, like uh, it's it's just a, it's kind of a different world um, and a different skill set in, in, in each area. So it can't come down to, to skill set and fit. Um, I actually reached out to a good friend of mine who's been an offensive line coach at, at uh, different, uh, <laughs> who's been an offensive line coach at a few different. Colleges, uh, but most notably, and I, I'm not going to give him away here, but he was an assistant offensive line coach at a Big Twelve school. So I wanted to reach out to him about this dynamic because you know he's actually been there, and I can kind of talk about it from my perspective. But he's actually been in that exact situation, um, and I said, hey, you know, I talked to him about what was your role. You know, would you ever flip? Why would you flip? Um, and his response. Uh, if they flip coaches in the booth, somebody, something must be seriously uh, bleeped up. So that just a, you know gives you a little bit of perspective on, on what a big deal he is. He says, uh, we talked about it once after losing four games in a row. So it, it tells you that that is a drastic move. That is a big move to switch what's going on in the press box. Uh, now, Zach Taylor pointed out not all of the sacks were on the offensive line, and he's absolutely right about that. I look at I look at that film, and I think he said four of them were on the offensive line. not eight this past weekend, I I would have put it at five. He's probably putting an extra one on Burrow for time that uh, that I was blaming the offensive line on. Uh, but hey, look, four isn't good either. <laughs> you know? So. Um, it, so it's not a good situation, right? So th- this whole line definitely has some issues. I think that their their big problem is really consistency. You know, they're inconsistent. You'll get four guys doing something right, and then the fifth guy does it wrong, and then and that messes everything up. And it's not always the same guy. So it's inconsistency, and it's also a lack of accountability to each other. You know, you've got to hold yourself accountable, do your job, knowing the guy next to you is doing theirs. So they're not accountable to each other. Some comments recently from Jim Turner uh, about Bobby Hart came out, and one of the things he said was that this is the best Bobby Hart has played. I'm I'm paraphrasing here. Basically, he's at the top of his career. Um, That came with a lot of negative feedback. Look, he's right, all right, and that doesn't mean Bobby Hart's playing well or he's playing good enough at that position but think about what the comment means it means he's playing better than he's played before and he absolutely is when the Bengals signed Hart I was told that he wasn't great the year before but the previous season he looked really good in in New York uh, with the Giants and you know they needed to get him back to that so I went back and I watched all the film and I never saw it uh, like, um, and I and I wrote an article at that point and I did a film at that point about all the problems I saw and how uh, it was the popular take somebody said it and people kept repeating it that oh he wasn't great last year but the year before no he wasn't very good um, I took some heat myself after the Cleveland game for saying that that was the best I'd ever seen Bobby Hart play I think that Cleveland game was the best game of Bobby Hart's career and I think that in the Eagles game that was Pretty good for Bobby Hart as well. So, the point I'm trying to make is look, if Hart's your problem and your only problem, and the other position to figure it out, if he's playing at the level he's played the last two weeks, you can live with that. But there's a lot of other issues too. You know, in that Cleveland game, they really struggled in the interior offensive line. Uh, you know, the left guard and center, they are not playing at their peak. Michael Jordan was trending upward towards the end of the last year. I thought he was okay in week one, but we, we've seen a major drop-off uh, at the left guard position the last couple of weeks. He needs to get it back. Trey Hopkins was, was this team's best off of the lineman last year, which I think is a problem. <laughs> I think you want him to be you know, maybe your third or fourth best guy. Um, look, he hasn't been great this year either. So those guys really need to step up and perform. That needs to be this solid part of this line because it's the only thing it can be all right right guard big issue uh i have a feeling redmond's gonna get a shot this weekend you know they got southernland in there i think it's gets a shot at some point but i don't think it's gonna be right now um i'm not sure body wise physically if he's ready personally i am a huge fan and people that have followed me for a while listened for a while you've seen me do breakdowns of him before the draft, I was very excited when the Bengals went ahead and picked him, and especially for where they got him, because if they picked him at the first pick in the fourth run, I would have been cool with that. Um, so he could be the answer. I don't think he's the answer right now, though. Uh, now, even when uh, Xavier Suofilo comes back, I like his fit, but like you want Trey to be your third or fourth best lineman, I think Suofilo is kind of in that same sort of mold um you know I, I i think you want him to be you want to have four three or four you know good players around him to get the most out of him have him play at a high level he played pretty well in dallas last year uh when dallas had a pretty good offensive line around him uh had a, had a good amount of talent there so we'll see what happens uh with that jonah williams looks very promising. We're only three weeks into the season. I'm hoping to see some big time jumps from him over the next few weeks. And you know, I'm hoping that second half of the season that we're seeing him for what he can be and seeing some very high grades, you know, just like seeing, oh wow, look at what he did with PFF. You know, not just those, those flash plays. Support for this episode comes from Viator.
1: Sure, a good souvenir is always fun Make memories that will last forever with Viator. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smart Water Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smart Water Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. All
2: right, so we're going to talk about defense in a minute. I think offensive line and defense were the, the clear things to talk about. But the other one I want to take a quick break and talk about here is wide receivers and tight ends now we've we've talked quite a bit about building rapport between burrow and his pass catchers and look that was a huge deal at lsu when burrow was able to spend a full off season extra time after spring ball practices extra time on their own time in the summer on the weekends when he was able to really connect with those guys um and that's kind of the perfect word, I guess, right? When he was able to connect with those guys and get on the same page with those guys, that is when they went off. That was one of the big differences, in addition to you know the scheme changes, in year two at LSU for Joe Burrow was having that rapport built with the receivers that they always knew. You know they were always on the same page. You know what I'm trying to say here. So that's a big deal. I also think there's been enough scheme changes enough position changes that the receivers and tight ends don't necessarily have a great rapport with each other you know John Sheeran did a uh, video this week that he posted on Twitter you should definitely check out about the mesh concept there were a couple of third downs where they ran a mesh concept and AJ Green caught the ball short of the first down now people always get up in arms about that but if you're you're scheming Rackability, all right, right after the catchability, then that's okay. And they had schemed it, but the mesh just wasn't good, all right. They were too far away from each other. Uh, Once was with Drew Sample, the other time, I think, was with Auden Tate, but don't quote me on that one. So, look, these meshes, they, they need to be tight. All right. If they're not tight, it's pointless because it doesn't affect the DB. If they're tight, the DB has to loop around, take a wider path, or he runs into the receiver. Either way, all right, the guy's going to be open, all right, and that means he's going to have that extra second or two to turn up field and gain a couple of extra yards. So that rapport between players, all right, between pass catchers is is a big aspect of what's going on as well and i think it's going to create a lot of opportunities and and that's a great example of it from that video that that john did earlier in the week all right and that gets us to the defense um and here's another tweet that i take some heat over this defense is not as bad as we think it is it's not as far away as we think it is let's look at the defensive line first and we'll start a tackle look the injuries have hurt um but like The defensive of the tackles haven't been doing a great job of getting off blocks. They're getting pushed around a little bit. Having Geno back will help, and you know, hopefully having Geno and Reader on the field. But some of the guys they're putting out there just aren't doing a good job with that, and that's a big part of what's going on in the run game. If you look on the edge, um, Lawson looked very good last week. I think Lawson can do some things. I think Lawson needs to eat into some of Carlos Dunlap's time. I think Dunlap now is at the point where he's probably going to do better on a bit of a snap count. So I think they should kind of shift those roles a little bit. Hubbard's all right. He's just not, like he can do a lot of things pretty well, but I think you need another guy in there. And this look, it's not gonna happen right now because nobody's nobody's selling edge rushers at this point of the year. Um, but I think they, they need to bring in another guy at that position who can be a big-time guy, who can uh, you know, really pressure the quarterback. I think a guy like an A.J. Epinesa, who was drafted by the Bills this year out of Iowa, I think that would be the ideal situation where you get somebody who's, who's a little bigger um, but can still rush the passer, and he can play five technique in the 3-4 stuff, not be a stand-up guy, then you would bring in Hubbard to be the stand-up guy. And in the 3-4 stuff, you can put him and, and Lawson both on the field as those edge guys, you know, getting guy who can get a good pass rush out of that situation, but also stout enough, strong enough to be kicked inside in the 3-4. I think that would be the ideal situation, but they need to add a dude. Like, it needs to be a dude. It needs to be somebody that can take some pressure off Lawson and get to the quarterback that aspect of the pass rush aspect is definitely more important than the than the size than the beef than being able to kick him inside but that would be the ideal situation is being able to do that um, have that guy that has the flexibility to play that five technique position uh, I think linebackers getting better Early on, I thought the, the problems were more linebacker-related with the run game than the D-line. Now I think it's it's getting a little bit more towards the D-line. Uh, in, in that in that last game, they are you know definitely getting better against the run. I think Wilson needs more reps. I think he should start eating into eating into some of Josh Bynes' reps personally. Um, I think he and Pratt look like the best overall right now, or at least the highest potential ceiling right now. So I'd like to see more of them on the field. Uh, look, I love Davis Gaither. I think he does some things really, really well. I just, um, I think they should use him a lot situationally. But I don't know if he's, I don't know if he needs a lot more reps right now. Um, he, I mean, he does he, he, he does to get the looks. But I think that the, the getting your best guys on the field right now is probably going to be uh, Wilson and Pratt. And we'll see some of Davis Gaither using his, pass pressure ability using his flexibility uh you know scheme wise i think there's some really cool stuff you can do with him um but i think the emphasis probably right now should be on wilson and pratt so speaking of getting the most out of people we move to the safety position i think williams coming back is exciting they didn't use him for one snap even on on defense last week but look bell Bell's not flashing. I think people are disappointed. But remember, Bell was around for a while in free agency, right? Uh, he wasn't a, a hot commodity. I think he's good in the box. He does some nice things there. Um, and I think he looked pretty good in his run fits and, and those things. But, you know, just not, not flashing. And that's okay. Williams, however, is better in deep field coverage and and has been throughout his career so i think we'll see williams more in some of these pass rush situations i think we will we'll see him in some some dime looks uh we might see more dime looks because of that where they'll they'll leave bell in but they'll have bell rock down and they'll put williams in the deep middle uh the the cover two and i did a video and, we, and i talked about it, uh, the cover two that they ran towards the end of the half where it's and people are calling it an inverted cover two. I don't really consider it that because the the corners are doing their normal job. But basically, they were using the nickel as a cover two safety. I think they're doing that because they trust Mackenzie Alexander to do that more than they trust Bell. All right, and obviously uh, Alexander got got burned on that. But that could be a situation where you know just to, just going to show you if they want cover two. I don't think they're comfortable with Bell. I think if they want. A deep field safety we are going to see more of sean williams base is good base needs to make plays right um you know he needs to make tackles which was the big problem against cleveland um but he needs to he needs to be making plays we need to get him uh, in situations to be able to play on the ball and use that ball skill uh william jackson looks good all right william jackson's the man um i think the negative takes on him that I'm seeing are, I think, related to the Cleveland game. And, look, that's OBJ. OBJ's going to win some of those. You know, <laughs> you, you got to keep playing. you got to play through it. But OBJ's going to get some uh, on you sometimes. And this is a league that is based on offense and where all the rules favor the offense. So it's very hard to match up on a top player like that. So you got to accept that there's going to be wins. There's going to be losses. I think overall, William Jackson has looked good. The other side, I'm not so sure about. Um, I don't think I don't think Phillips looks great right now. So there may be a reason that they haven't, you know, gone to him, giving him a shot sooner. Uh, I just think he's like a step away all the time, and make, that could be injury related. I know he's a little banged up. Um, I just I just think he's just like a step away from doing things, from being in the right spot. Obviously, we'll we'll see what's going on with Trey Wayne's when he comes back. Uh, LaShawn Sims got in there and got some reps and looked pretty good. I wouldn't mind seeing, seeing Sims more. I wouldn't mind seeing uh, what Sims looks like uh, playing that outside role as well. Mackenzie Alexander, I, PFF grade isn't great. I think he looks really good. Um, I think he's doing some good stuff against the run and the pass. He's definitely better against the pass than, than the Bengals have had at that position uh, in, in recent history. So um, I'm excited about Alexander. I think especially for the money, he was a great player great pickup for them so definitely excited about mackenzie alexander and what he is doing moving forward so um overall like looking at this defense like what does this defense really need like look they need depth on the defensive line like nobody's business all right uh they need another top pass rusher and to put less on carlos dunlap we'll see what's going on we'll see what the interior looks like when gino comes back but obviously that needs to be a concern with gino's advancing age as well getting another guy in there to take on that role and to give an interior pass rush Uh, even in the absence of gino i think the linebackers might be okay you know there's a lot of youth there so we'll see how those guys develop remember Look, it's tough. Like and, and we saw it with Pratt last year. But um, you know, they saw it in Pittsburgh with, with Devin Bush last year too. Like Bush had a good rookie season. You know, he was a he was a top draft pick, right? He was a top ten pick. Um, but he had a very good season, but he didn't start out that strong and his grades were really bad at the beginning. You're gonna make mistakes, you need reps, and that's why I always push for reps for these young guys who have some talent. Get them in there, let them make their mistakes because they're gonna make them, all right? And it's about seeing progression every week with these guys. It's about seeing them make different mistakes every week. All right, that's that's where you run into problems is if the same thing keeps getting them. They're falling for the same thing all the time. They're doing the same thing wrong, whatever that is. You wanna see progression, you wanna see new mistakes, you wanna see them correcting the old mistakes. That's how you progress and, and you get better. Um, and then in the defensive backfield, you know we'll see how things look with with Williams in there. I think that's going to be a great match with those three safeties. I think I think that's a good group right there. Um, but I think uh, CB two is is an issue. So we got to see what happens with Wayne's coming back, Jackson potential free agent. So that might be a point of need in addition to edge rusher, in addition to three technique. Uh, you know, that might be an off-season need to, to go out and look at and to address. So that's kind of my rundown uh, of, of the defense. I think the defense and the offensive line are the two things that people are concerned with right now. Uh, like I said, that wide receiver tight end thing, look, they're not bad, but they can be better. So that's why that's why I mentioned it. I think we'll see a lot of improvement in this team when that gets going, uh, and, and I definitely think they have the guys. man. T, T Higgins looks awesome, so they've got they've got some good players there, and we just need to just kind of see things all come together there. And with the offensive line, we are we're fighting and we're we're hoping and praying. <laughs> so uh, we'll see what happens there as well. Alright, so uh, this is Matt from Scentsy Jungle once again, this week's Chalk Talk. Again, normally I'm talking about the Jaguars. I'm talking to an expert about the Jaguars at this point, but honestly, I I mean, I didn't even do an opponent film room this week because I just... I watched the Bengals film and, like, this is the sort of situation where it's not about the game plan. It's, It's about, you know, putting things together. It's about finishing. It's about not making the little mistakes it's about stepping up and making the big plays you know it's all those things that are just adding up and and really it's it's an internal thing that that needs to be addressed it's not it's not an issue uh necessarily of game planning it's an issue of execution so let's hope we see that all come together this weekend and to get you ready Make sure you check out our virtual tailgate show and pregame. We will have uh, we will have somebody in the stands this weekend. One of these 6,000 will be on the show. Actually, two of the 6,000 will be on the show. Uh, I'll just kind of tease who it might be with uh, by saying that we're going to have two people uh, in there. Uh, so I, um, some of you will be able to figure that one out probably uh what couple it is what Bengals power couple it is but anyway uh we will be uh, we'll have that action coming we'll, we'll talk about what's going on with the team what to expect this weekend and you know the good the bad and the ugly as we try and scrape out that first win i am matt Menick from cincy jungle yeah, who day coming, for ours. Ours. Yeah,
1: we're coming for-